0: It's four o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live! Yeah, baby, this week, starring the lovely, the charming, the soon-to-be-leaving-us, Bria McTavish. (laughs) And thank you, fake audience, thank you, fake band... And welcome to the big show, Bria. Hey. She's on my side of the desk yeah, today.
1: it's been a while.
0: Let's say I've hello. i got
1: my tiara and oh. veil.
0: Oh yes, <laughs> my wife rigged that up for Bria because Bria is leaving us To move back to the Midwest, as you read in the email. But just for those of you who didn't read the email, she's leaving taxi. Today is her last day. Mm -hmm. And she's moving to, well, going back to Indiana and then Kentucky eventually. Yes,
1: Lexington, Kentucky. So I'll be moving there on July 15th.
0: What happened to Louisville? I thought you were going to Louisville.
1: It's it's complicated because we'll be in Lexington for one year and then Louisville the next.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So... uh... Yeah, so we're making a work. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I'm excited. This is going to be a hard episode to get through. Um, anyway, hello, everybody. Let me say hello to you guys. Linda Cullum, Sherry Marcus Milano, Nancy Colell, Martin Gravel, Daryl Berman, Alex Dick, Dylan, Linda Cullum, Joseph Alonzo, The Element, Lamar Franklin, Peter Rahill, Spiritual Mojo Bone, I think I said Joseph Alonzo already, Alan McCool, Neil McTavish. Bria's dad is in the Mm -hmm. house. Yo, Neil. How are you, buddy? All right, I'm going to take off. Yeah, I kidnapped your kid. (laughs) Yeah, she made herself look all purdy today for the show, and then we made her dress up like uh, something out of a... Who's the guy that does those weird Christmas movies? Um, Oh, Tim Burton. Yeah, like she's out of a Tim Burton movie or something.
1: that's okay. I liked it.
0: (laughs) Terrell Burt, Hey! Uh, let's see, Renz, Uberg, just on time. Yes, you are. Andre Stepanian, Dean Turner, Neil McTavish again. Anyway, so um, I just thought it would be fitting to have Bria on the show today. Um, she's... So I'm just going to start working my questions right now. So it says Michael does intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do an intro. Uh, So, you know, I have a hard, fast rule, which is I never hire um, taxi members or friends of the family to work at taxi. You're the first and the only. There you go. Um, And that's because she started out as a taxi member when you were how old?
1: Uh, Well, my dad was a member and I went to my first rally when I was 14. Wow. So, but he was a member. I don't know. He could probably sound off when he joined, um, but my dad joined because he saw an ad, and I think electronic
0: musician. musician. Wow.
1: Or keyboard magazine or something like that.
0: Yeah, probably EM. Yeah, we were in there for like 15 years or something. Yeah,
1: so, so he had joined, and then he, I guess he always wanted to go, and then once I was really starting to get interested in songwriting, then he was like, oh, I should take Bria. So...
0: so Let's talk about how you got interested um, in songwriting because you started pretty young, right? I mean, uh...
1: yeah. I mean, we were always we were always surrounded by music in my house, so always. And I grew up playing classical too, so I started piano you play at four. Cello?
0: No, or, I played viola.
1: Viola, right. and I play piano. So oh, I started okay. piano at four and violin at six. Um, but I would write little like ditties and stuff on the piano. Um, when i was really little i think the first like song i wrote was called snowman blues oh i can kind of remember it so that i think there's melts a melts my story. heart yeah. right?
0: there's a joke in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um your favorite song that i've ever heard you do is sick which i, I think uh, yeah. that's your signature tune right there
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i would i always introduce that at shows as as the first song that i wrote that i liked
0: yeah so it's good. It's catchy.
1: Yeah. But, but really that song came out of going to the rally and applying oh, really? what I learned.
0: So let me see. Um, oh, and by the way, yeah, today, whoa, I'm out of the frame. Today <laughs> is her last official day, but she's going to, uh, uh, first of all, we're going to keep her on for a few weeks just, you know, to tie up loose ends and stuff, even though she'll be out of town. But mm-hmm. then um, I'm sure she'll be back for future road rallies. Uh, i would be heartbroken if you didn't come back
1: oh well i'd be yeah. happy to <laughs>
0: yeah we would love to have you back um i'm trying to because i covered so much already uh so let's continue down the path of how you started making music so you did viola you did piano uh, yeah. and you also play guitar now uh,
1: yeah i started I, but i didn't learn acoustic until i was like 12. yeah i started learning it and i really like i just use a capo and i know like five chords
0: <laughs>
1: so, and then I can finger pick, so it makes me look like I'm better than I am.
0: <laughs> wow, deep. Dark so secrets. I always say
1: that I fake that that I'm good at the guitar, but I'm I can just finger pick. That's <laughs> it. Um,
0: so at what point did you realize? I mean, who else was musical in the family? I know your dad, uh, you know, was into like mm-hmm. engineering and production stuff. Uh, with, so did you grow up around him making music and writing songs?
1: He didn't. I guess do a ton of like production when we were younger. I think he started getting into it actually because he start like, I think because he joined Taxi. Um, mm-hmm. so he was, you know, he's always written music. Like he was in a band in Winnipeg. They were number one on the radio in Dauphin, Manitoba. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So they would go <laughs> and play there and they'd think they were like a big deal. He's like, wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did he so, have long hair? Yeah,
1: my dad had, like, probably hair, blonde hair as long as mine. I bet it looks similar to mine. He can tell you if it does. But
0: Neil, I want to see a picture of you being a hippie, dude. But it was in the, being was a hippie, in the 70s and the 80s, so,
1: <laughs> so it was um, longer. Maybe not cut like this, though. But, yeah, he played keys in his uh, band, and I think a little bit guitar, and he would write and stuff. But um, then, you know, obviously... Well, he's an engineer, too, by trade. My mom's a doctor. And
0: uh, an engineer, like a legit engineer, not just an auto Yeah, engineer. an industrial engineer. <laughs> right. So he
1: worked for like Boeing and uh, uh, Lockheed Martin. Yeah. So back in Canada, but when we moved to the States, he stayed at home with us. So he really got us into music, but also my mom too. She's always had really good taste in music. Like when my, they say that when they got married, both of them, they combined their record collection. They had only had one record in common Wow. And my dad said that my mom had all the records that he wished he had gotten, and then he she he had all the records that my mom like wished she had gotten too. So well, that
0: was a marriage that was meant to be. I mean, yeah. what defines a marriage better than your record collections mesh?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my mom's always good at like, she discovered a lot of like my favorite bands from when I was like in junior high. She would like get me CDs and and like she's. She started listening to Colby Calais before she got like super big and like got me the wow. CD and like got me into a lot of my favorite bands. So
0: so who were a lot of your favorite bands and artists back then?
1: Back then, well, I definitely listened to that Colby Calais CD a lot. I loved... Um, Which my, one? The
0: one that had... Um,
1: Coco. The one uh, that had like the very famous one, Bubbly.
0: What, what was it? Bubbly. Bubbly. Bubbly, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Hold on a minute. Wasn't that in like... What year was that? It seems like it was more recent than that. No, no you... it
1: was like probably like 2006 or 7. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So we literally have watched you grow up from like a kid.
1: Yeah, I guess that's kind of back further because I was in high, I My first rally was when I was 14, so that was...
0: So I've known you for... 11
1: t- years ago, so... Yeah,
0: so I've known 2009. Wow, 11 years already. Or
1: 2008,
0: I I think it was. I've got to admit, I don't think I've ever told you this, but there have been times where it's been hard for me to be your boss because, first of all, you met my daughter, Hannah, at a rally. We can talk about that in a second. That's a great story. But, you know, we always felt like, you know, I I think I said to your dad at one point, you know, just know that if Bria ever needs anything out here in L.A., you Mm. know, we got her covered. But... It was hard to treat you, especially in the very beginning, as an employee. When I knew you as a friend and as a taxi member, mm-hmm. you start out as a member, but we became friendly. Yeah. And like I said in the beginning of the show, we we never hire friends or members because, you know, either they leave. <laughs> just Sorry. sorry. <laughs> either they leave or they get fired or so you know i mean nothing lasts forever and um i would never want to be in that position so bria either emailed or called one day i called you yeah and we'd known each other at that point for you know five six seven years or something Mm -hmm. from you coming to the road rally and volunteering all the time you and your dad are like the lead volunteers (laughs) they've done so much the two of them have unloaded more taxi road rally trucks uh, than anybody. I mean, you know, if you added up all what all the other people have unloaded versus the McTavishes, they win. <laughs> so I think
1: I think close second is Clark Van Norris. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: I think or or about the same. Yeah, because I I remember he helped. I don't know if he was there my first year, but I think. Yeah, like from something. And
0: you and on. Clark uh, have teamed up on getting the taxi started and out of the garage several oh, times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, not as
1: scary to drive anymore because the brakes are fixed. I haven't
0: driven it since we got the brakes fixed, but yeah. I wrote the check and it was a lot more than I thought it would be. It was <laughs> like 1100 bucks to get those brakes fixed. Well, yeah. Um, anyway, so I remember seeing Brie at the rally and uh, – thinking oh that's cute because you know i've got a daughter hannah who's a year or two younger than bria and she was starting to do music at some point and we've had some security issues so we wouldn't let our kids identify themselves Mm -hmm. as our kids there were like a half a dozen road rallies where they could go but they had to remain anonymous and like not talk to me and not hang out with deb and i remember that rally we told hannah You can sit in the ballroom, just don't act like you're my kid. Act like anybody else Mm -hmm. there and try and hang out by somebody that looks like, you know, somebody's safe. Because Mm -hmm. we didn't know if the crackpot was going to show up at the rally Mm -hmm. or not. And didn't she end up sitting by you guys? Yeah,
1: so it was my first rally and Hannah sits next to me. And I was like, I didn't say anything because I'm more outgoing now, but I was very, very... um, shy like and i typically am a little shy with people i don't know yeah um so i like didn't say anything to her she just sat next to me and then the next year i think or two years later we ended up talking because i went to um, there's this program called the Hollywood Immersive it's like I call oh, it a boot camp for like rich Australians
0: right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, so I ended up doing that and meeting Hannah that and she she was like yeah I remember you I sat next but to you because I was pretending like I was pretending uh... that you like you were my sister and that like your dad was my dad so that people would think <laughs> that like she was with us right um, and I was like and I remember my dad being like, I feel like that, I think that's Michael's daughter. Um, but I didn't say anything. Some
0: people say we look a lot alike. I don't see it. I think good. you guys look a lot alike. I mean, I, Hannah and I look at each other and go, really? But whatever. Mm-hmm. So I remember that you and Hannah kind of bonded. And mm-hmm. I remember um, I spoke at that Hollywood immersive thing. Yes. And. So, I already knew you, but, um, and you actually got to stay because you were so young. You stayed with Stephen Memmel and his wife at the time, right?
1: Yeah, so I I wasn't like, I was uh, taking vocal and performance lessons from Stephen Memmel, who's amazing if you guys need someone. I need to get him back
0: on the show. He's
1: like literally the best, but uh, he was helping out with this and they needed more people, so he contacted me and I was able to get. I guess a deal and so I didn't stay at the villa because I wasn't paying like the full thing so that's why I was staying with Stephen and um, it's better
0: that you didn't stay at the villa it would have been like too much debauchery for a kid your it, age
1: there was no debauchery really no <laughs> we were all like the uh, around the same age. oh
0: that's right yeah, the, yeah like
1: in our program I think the oldest person was like 21
0: what so about it was the other thing that from ran from 15
1: to 21 or something?
0: There was a thing that ran, well, 21-year-olds. I mean, they're into like shooting heroin and stuff, right?
1: Well, no one in that group was. <laughs> <laughs> we, but, there was no debauchery going on there.
0: But they also they con- the
1: hosting group was there too and they were older, but yeah, no, it wasn't. There was no debauchery.
0: Oh, so I always I even that-
1: ended up staying there one night and it wasn't. It was very
0: it was like one of those, you know, like a Big Brother type house in the Hollywood Hills. Uh-huh. Really cool house. But concurrently with the music thing, they did these um, people like TV hosts, like mm-hmm. presenter types. Like, you know, the, I, every time when I see that lady doing, did you use talcum powder? Do you have cancer? Um, there's one lady that does every form of that commercial. Oh, yeah? And every single night I see her on TV and I think, I'll bet you anything. She did the immersion,
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, it was very tame. And we just like, we worked way harder than they did though. That was for sure.
0: Yeah. Like we
1: were, it was like sun up to sundown and we were supposed to write a whole song during the weekend with no time.
0: And then record it. it... And
1: we recorded it during the, the week. And it was, it was amazing. It was a really good experience and awesome. And then got to talk to you more. And I remember you saying there too, at that, uh, at, when you came and talked that you wouldn't hire someone that hadn't had a college education. Guess what? (laughs) I didn't go to college.
0: (laughs) Well, you, you are inherently really smart anyway. So, you know, and and frankly, I mean, you know how I feel about college educations. It's a a sore subject for me. On one hand, it's like, it's nice to have the diploma Mm -hmm. to say I got it. Yeah. On the other hand, I think that most kids' diplomas are kind of worthless because if they're anything like me, they probably partied, their way through school for four years i i didn't inhale just saying oh my god (laughs) i didn't really i didn't i I watched other people a lot um and i i don't know i i just don't agree with the way college is done anymore yeah um if you're gonna go to law school if you're gonna be a doctor i think college obviously is necessary but um yeah. It's a growth experience, but you got your growth experience when you moved out here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I moved out here at 20. I was really lucky, or I, I would say even I, would, I was very blessed because my parents supported me. They helped me get out here. My dad and I drove out here, and then he was like, bye. So <laughs> he um, cried
0: all the way back, aw, I'm sure. I don't did.
1: know. We'll have to ask him. Come
0: on, Neil. You, you cried, right?
1: My dad says, "Bring the treats back." Yeah, he'll he agrees with you about college.
0: Yeah. So, do I
1: still write or perform live? Um, I still write. I actually do a lot of writing with my church now, um, but I I don't perform a lot. I play like in the worship band at my church. So. Which answer gonna, your question.
0: We're going to talk about that. Um, so. Bria called me, and I'm like, oh, hey, Bria, how are you? And she goes, mm-hmm. I'm moving to LA, can I have a job?
1: Well, I said, "I said, do you need any help with the rally?
0: And, and like as it. it turned out, we <laughs> actually did, and um, her first job at Taxi was doing outbound calls. Hey, it's Bria from Taxi, the road rally's coming up in three months, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. because she knew the rally so well as an attendee, that she could explain it as well as the most experienced staff member so it was you and i think maybe deb um me
1: and deb uh, were doing calls yeah
0: and, yeah, and the two of them are like powering through these calls just mm-hmm. doing amazing numbers and uh we all just fell in love with you you know <laughs> it, it you felt like you were part of the family which you already were before mm-hmm. you even started working there but um you I don't know, you, you just fit in really well. And I remember talking to Deb about it and probably talking to Angel about it, and saying, I, I know we've got a hard, fast rule, but she's mm-hmm. gonna be a real asset to the staff. And, uh, and you were, you're a Aww. tremendous asset to the staff. Thanks. I'm gonna try not to cry. <laughs> but yeah, she's been amazing. I mean, there's nothing you can't throw at Bria that she won't take on. She is absolutely fearless, sometimes a little too fearless yeah. maybe. She's brave. <laughs> um yeah but you've always been a great asset to the staff and 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 beloved by as i said in the letter beloved by everybody on the staff you know
1: Aww. yeah well the staff is awesome i mean it's we've become definitely like a like a family
0: i always staff. say the manson family but oh, no. in a good way <laughs> but you also came to work there at kind of a weird time mm-hmm. um I was going through a lawsuit, which really took me like 80% of my focus every day was not the staff and not the company. Mm -hmm. It had to be in this lawsuit. And uh, there were staff members I didn't particularly care for. It was not our most shining moment with the staff. Yeah. And here's this sweet young Midwestern girl. And I always worried that you were like exposed to all this tension and vitriol and stuff but i'm i'm really glad that you've gotten to spend your last few years on the staff with the staff we've got now which yeah. is like you know equal to the best we've ever had if not better than you know? oh yeah
1: the staff is amazing everyone like cares so much The and our team's killing it um yeah. they're like absolutely killing it Um, drowning in listings i know which is something like i never (laughs) thought would happen i know which is so awesome yeah they're they're killing it and just like our our member services team you know you guys probably um get to interact with them but they're awesome um care so much um about helping you guys out so it's it's just awesome to be like on such a good team
0: so Uh, Your dad says in the chat, it was was a transitional, not traditional, yes, a transitional time. (laughs) It it was. And, uh, you know, being a dad of a daughter close to your age and having Mm -hmm. four daughters, um, I would worry about you that you were exposed to all this Mm. stuff, but you're such a scrappy little sucker that (laughs) on one hand, well, you are, you know, I mean, you're pretty confident Mm -hmm. and and, um, mature for your age, but I, I did Quietly and secretly worry that you were being exposed to a lot of stuff that I wouldn't want my kid to be working around. So yeah. I'm glad you made it through and got to see oh, the good yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah. Well it's it's any experience, you know, it shapes whatever you know, you do.
0: So um, if you grow up is uh, you can blame us for everything. Okay, bad. there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, if I have a problem in my marriage. <laughs> right, I'll just that's be, right,
0: like, just say it's, it's taxis', taxis fault. <laughs> I think
1: Jacob's watching. I think I saw him compliment me. Aw. (laughs) So, yeah, Jacob, if if I am weird at all, it's Taxi's fault.
0: That's right. Specifically my fault, probably, (laughs) because I get blamed for everything sooner or later. Um, Let's go back to talking about when you started making music at home with your dad, because that was another. Now it's like true confession day for me. It's supposed to be all about you, but it's really about me confessing all this stuff to you. Uh, I remember when I met you and your dad at the rally thinking Mm -hmm. oh gosh another kid with a parent you know who's involved in their stuff and both of you guys from where I sat handled it with such grace and aplomb it was actually like you guys really enjoyed working together at least from what I saw which is is rare Mm -hmm. I mean what kid wants to like do stuff with their parents, but it says a lot about your family.
1: Yeah, well we've always like we've always been a very close family. I mean, we've always done music together. Like my sister's a professional violinist. She's very good. Um and we always did music together. But uh I think once I started to like get an interest, my dad was did a really good job of not just like being like, Oh my gosh, you're so great he was like, Bria, you need to work on this like and that's why he took me to the rally, like so that I could learn how to write better and then you know, as a like a little kid I was like I'm going to get famous and I want to do all my songs and he's like my dad's like you need to be open to like writing for other people and all this stuff like he's like it's not just about like what you want to do. Um
0: Did yeah. you uh, Sorry, I
1: just read my dad's. That
0: what he what he
1: accompanied both of us on like our instruments until we could kick his butt. <laughs> It's hidden because he says not, doesn't say, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, were there moments where you're like, dad, uh, did you have, yeah, did you of guys course. co-write? Did yes. It-
1: yeah. We would co-write and it was, um, obviously like at first and sometimes I, I would be, you know, cause I was like. 12, 13 when we were starting to work together. So that's, that's like the worst age. time yeah, to work with a teenager is when they're that age. That's an
0: evil age. I, exa- my experience yeah. is like 13 was when all my yeah, but kids became evil.
1: I think he kind of, I mean, really, I think he, he started, you know, pushing me and being like, well, you need to, but they were I mean i grew up taking lessons too like i took grew up taking classical lessons so i knew and my parents were always about like you need to respect your teacher like you need to practice and stuff so i kind of had a good grasp on like taking criticism and stuff um but writing together was great because he at that age i was young so i was a little bit like elementary and my lyric craft like it would just be like I love you I love you like all my songs you know
0: Um, that sounds like today's pop music
1: yeah exactly (laughs) you know so it was great like getting to write with him and he has a different style of writing like his his lyrical style is a little more storytelling and we'd kind of write together so my first like EP that we put out pretty much is like full co-written most of it is like lyrics he wrote and music that I wrote
0: and you Um, didn't feel like Oh my gosh, he's so old and his perspective just doesn't fit with my music. Sorry, Neil. I don't mean that old. But you know what I'm saying.
1: No, because I I don't know. I've always... I never just listened to like teeny bopper music. Right. So I think maybe that's why. Because I, I... Like he... I grew up on Elton John, I grew up on um, Supertramp, on The Beatles, on, like, that, those were the things that I listened to, so I, I really enjoyed, like, good lyric craft, and then once I got older, listening to other bands and stuff, but I was never really, like, a big, like, teeny bopper music person, I, I really appreciate, like, big pop music, like, you know, the Ariana Grande, like, I love that stuff, I think it's great, but I didn't really grow up on, like, I wasn't allowed to listen to Britney Spears as a young kid so it just wasn't like I think I had a, a different like view of music so my first stuff was very like singer songwritery and like folksy yeah so his lyric craft really fit in with that
0: um what were like your three favorite bands as a 13 14 15 year old or axe <sighs>
1: um definitely I loved Spoon really um, I don't know if it yeah my mom found that band and I got really into them yeah um I listened to a lot of Coldplay
0: yeah.
1: um I'm trying to think when I was that age I got into Lana Del Rey when I was older but that was like more like later in my in high school
0: I kind of remember when you moved to LA that you once told me that Lana Del Rey was like your inspiration artist of the moment, at least at that stage. Or yeah, something.
1: yeah. Like I, I lo- a lot of what I listen to will kind of influence what I put out. I, I was really into, I think, when I was that age, like Fos- Foster the People. Um, gosh, the Shins.
0: Really? Um, Some of this is surprising.
1: Yeah, and then what else did I... Dad, do you know what I like to listen to? <laughs> I loved... Oh, I loved Ingrid Michelson. I really liked that BOK okay album. really good. Uh, I liked Regina Spector. I didn't listen to a ton of her, but I really liked her stuff. Um...
0: That's funny. You're the only guest I've ever had in the show in 10 years that's ever said, Dad, do you remember?
1: <laughs> he probably <laughs> remembers... Oh, Mika? Yeah, that's a band that we, we like to... We like to listen to a lot of Mika and stuff. But my dad and I would always like listen in the car, and we'd like be like listening to like the production and how the drum sounded. We were always obsessed with how the drum sounded. Wow! And so I, when we would listen to other stuff, we'd be like, Ooh, "The drums don't sound that
0: good." That's pretty, you know. I mean, clearly a good <laughs> influence from your dad on that score, because yeah. I mean, let's face it: unless you are a music maker, yeah. the, the public is, is, I think, mostly utterly unaware of drum sounds. They, they, oh, yeah. they would not pick out a drum sound and say, wow, that those are great sounding drums. They may enjoy it. Yeah. But they wouldn't know well,
1: what it yeah. is. Yeah. So. But drums are so important too. And I, but I think the thing is my dad's always been like a student, of music. So when we were working together, he's always we wanted to learn more. So like when we were working on my first E P we were working with Roan and Chris Murphy as our like coach. So my dad would send him the mix and then Roan would be like, Okay, tweak this, this, this and then it'd come back and my dad would work on it. So my dad's actually a really good engineer now and mixer and stuff. So he does all my Going sisters near groups uh, mixing and stuff and he's it's it's awesome to hear especially because we're not working together much right now because I haven't really been doing that much music lately but I'm just so happy he's able to use the stuff that he learned working with me yeah for her stuff and her group um which is awesome
0: um at what point did you have you ever gotten to the point where you felt you were defined well as an artist or do you you know Mm -hmm. were you still searching are you still searching for what your artistic identity is
1: yeah i got there actually after i moved here yeah so i Is that after
0: you dyed your hair black
1: i had my hair black since before i moved here oh really yeah it was black i think the summer before. Cause I kept going, I had never dyed my hair until after I turned 18 and I just kept going darker and darker and darker and obviously couldn't go any darker than black. And I loved it. So I had long black hair. Um, but yeah, once I moved out here, I was like, all of my stuff beforehand had been really like, um, singer-songwriter and I never produced anything Mm -hmm. so I would just you know write the songs and then we'd kind of work with someone else or whatever and then once I moved here I actually started producing my stuff myself so I produced one of my songs on um, GarageBand, like just using my computer keyboard, which t- taught me—that's actually a really good thing. Using your computer keyboard as your like keyboard keyboard, um, because it it makes you be more simple with your arrangements. Oh, because that I've... would always be my problem, as I would like go mm, like huge chords. And yeah, stuff. How do you, I was
0: gonna say, how do you play a you know a four oh, note yeah. chord on?
1: A... You just go <laughs> meh, meh, meh. like I'm really good at playing the keyboard on the computer keyboard
0: wow that's impressive
1: I do that a lot I still do that now like I I did I was working on a song the other week and playing bass on the computer keyboard
0: I remember that not long after you moved here you started taking Judy Stakey's classes
1: well actually I started working with Judy far before so I had been working Ah. with Judy for a couple years I would anytime I was here I would come she was like my songwriting coach Um, so I learned a ton from her and then I kind of petered off taking lessons from her but I learned so much about songwriting from her.
0: So for those of you who don't know Judy Stakey was like vice president of Warner Chapel Mm -hmm. Music for close to 20 years I think. Yeah Um, brilliant. Her her biggest claim to fame is basically Sheryl Crow came to her when she was a backup singer for Michael Jackson and said can you help me find songs I want to try and get signed as an artist and Judy listened to her songs and said dude You're writing great songs and Judy really is responsible for the launch of Cheryl's career and then uh, at some point Cheryl started teaching, I'm not Cheryl, um, Judy started teaching these classes Mm -hmm. and I remember cause my daughter went to her stuff as well at some point and I remember mm-hmm. arriving early one night sitting in and the living room listening to all the kids off in the other room yeah. and Judy had them doing like yoga yeah, of course. standing on their heads I'm like
1: she never had me do that I only did private sessions I never did a class
0: uh, okay. or, a, it,
1: or a retreat she does mostly like retreats now which I hear are very awesome but I've never been on one
0: yeah Hannah was in a class of about six or seven or eight people in mm-hmm. it And Hannah always wore skirts. And I remember uh, at one point, Judy's like, okay, everybody try and stand on your head. And Hannah's like, "Uh -uh, Uh uh-uh, that ain't happening. (laughs) Um, Do you remember when you first came to the road rally as a 14 year old, Mm -hmm. um, any like first impressions of, of, you know, anything stick out?
1: Well, first of all, when I got to LA, I was like, it stinks here.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was like and then when I went home you I was should like, go
0: try New Jersey sometimes. I know. So. Yeah,
1: but I only we only went to the Weston, which is by the by LAX. So right. I was like when I got home I was like guys, LA's gross, it smells bad. <laughs>
0: Now it's smells like never,
1: weed. I mean, it's not, it's obviously the airport. It's not like L.A. has the most, like, fresh air. I mean, out right. like, in, you know, the suburbs and stuff, it's not as bad. But but uh, still, uh, it's because I didn't leave the airport, but I was like, oh, it's so gross when I got home. So that was my first impression. And then um, coming to the rally, I was like, whoa, this is a lot of people. I remember standing in the line, and then my dad and I ended up uh, meeting uh, Betty Anderson in the line who we had never met. And she was from Kokomo, Indiana, which is like really close to us and was in the songwriters group there. Um, so that was cool to like meet someone so close and, uh, yeah. And then, um, well, I remember, so my first, we had our um, one-to-one mentor session, I think, right the first day, like in the morning, like right after who, who the Who was end, it? And it was Mandy Martin.
0: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mandy's no longer with us. Yeah. But she's from that old hippie school, like John Brahaney, Mandy Martin, the LA mm-hmm. songwriter showcase people. Yeah. How so, did that go?
1: Well, I showed her a song. I don't remember what it was called. I think it was just called, like, I Love You or something. Or wait, one thing's true. That's what it was called, and it was my first, you know, attempt at like a pop song, or second, but one of them. And it was very elementary. There was no bridge. The chorus was kind of meandering. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't, you know, that put together. And I was like, oh, this is great. She's gonna love it, you know. And she she bobbed her head, but she was like, okay. Now you need to get this book and you need to, you know, learn about this. She's like the chorus. There's not really a chorus here. Like she was just like, you need to learn
0: the craft. Right.
1: So that was like my biggest takeaway from the rally. I went to, you know, all the I didn't play an open mic that year because I was too nervous. And um, my biggest takeaway was just like, I need to learn the craft of songwriting um and i guess because i was young probably i could soak it up pretty quick but i you know learned like okay yeah you have to have verse chorus it has to be more um i learned how important structure is so i'm a huge stickler on structure um when it comes to songwriting
0: great lesson to learn yeah so many people don't you know I, i know a lot of very adult people further down the road in years that, you know, well, I've been making music for 30 years. Yeah. but Your songs still don't have a chorus. And yeah. They need one.
1: Well, and that's the thing is I, and I feel like too, with members, they, you know, you get hurt, you know, cause it's personal. It's your music is personal. And so you get hurt if someone says, well, you should really have structure and you're like, well, that's my heart song, you know, Yeah. which is like, yes. But like if if you, it's how much cooler is it if you can get this song into a place where it's going to be inspiring for other people too, not just for you. Yeah. So, cause that's our job as songwriters is to tell a story and to, you know, bring out something that somebody else can relate to. Um, so, so learning that and learning like, yeah, that's what you like, but, but it's good for you to learn to communicate in, in a way that people are gonna be able to relate to. Um, so that's why structure is important.
0: The crows are out there.
1: Yeah, I saw them.
0: Soon it will be squirrel time. You'll see the squirrels. Sometimes they jump up and run across that table. Oh, and wow. Um, so I had a question. I saw my sheet and I lost it. Oh, so do you remember um, getting any returns from Taxi when you were a member? Mm-hmm. And how did that make you feel, especially being a relatively young kid? And I say kid in quotes. you know. Well,
1: yeah, I was sad. But yeah. obviously, like I, 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 it helps you deal with rejection. I was like, it was. Um, I did a lot of customs, so we would we. Well, I think after our first rally, we were like, okay, let's just work on our craft and do customs. So we would do a lot of custom critiques. That was like all I did, <laughs> um, which they're an amazing tool if you're if you're wanting to work on your writing and stuff because the screeners are top notch. I mean
0: um you you've seen the company and yeah. literally there's nothing i didn't talk to bria before the show and say you know can you plug this or talk about that mm-hmm. she literally saw about five of the questions about five minutes before yeah. we went online um so you've you've seen it from both sides um, yeah. which always has made you great as a staff member um, mm-hmm. she's now graduated from doing member services to, you know, yeah. being the producer. I still do some though.
1: I still answer Yeah. I mean, phones,
0: you're yeah. the queen of it. You, you, <laughs> you know, you got it down to a science. I nose. usually take
1: the the hard calls. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of the hard calls, um, I, I actually wrote that somewhere in the questions. Didn't somebody... Oh, I have a to...
1: great story. Yeah.
0: Tell it. Didn't so, somebody make you cry one time or something?
1: I, I don't know if I, I cried or not. I remember there
0: was a doozy. (laughs) Anyway,
1: this is great. So the first day I met Taxi doing calls for the rally, right? And um, I'm like, okay. And I call and, you know, I got voicemails for the first two. And then the third call, I think, was someone picked up and they were like, and I'm not going to include what he exactly said because it was very profane. And he was like, what are you want and I was like, This is Bria from Taxi. Like we're calling about the rally. And he was like, What what do you want? And then he called me a white, like B word. And I was like, This is like my third call. And I was like, <laughs> I hung up the phone. I can't then,
0: believe he said that. What? Yeah,
1: yeah. Believe and it. this was members. Like I was calling a member. So I don't know. They must have been in a bad mood, probably drunk or something. <laughs> anyway, but <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, that happened and I was like, "Oh my god, what am I doing here?" because it was literally the first call that I that someone picked up that I made. And I was like,
0: "How did you go through any other calls after getting that one?" I don't want to good right, Deb's got to go somewhere. <laughs> Bye, Mrs. Lasco. <laughs> We're
1: going to miss this one. Oh, and that's a supposed to Oh, to it's anybody. okay. right. <laughs> I'm going to miss her. It's okay. I'm I've been quarantined. <laughs>
0: Me too. All right, you guys. Bye, honey. (laughs) Um, Other observations, like uh, now that you've seen Taxi both as a member and somebody doing member services all these years, um, what would you say to our members if you could pull all the members Mm -hmm. who are not quite there yet? You know, the people who aren't Chuck Henry or Matt Vanderbilt, um, people who haven't advanced that far along yet. What would you say to them that you think, what boat are they missing?
1: I think one, I would say we're on your side. Um, A a lot of times I feel like people call and, you know, we can, you know, calm people down pretty quickly because our staff's awesome and they care so much. Um, But a lot of times we get calls and people are combative or they're upset or we get emails and stuff and I think that they feel like we're we want to be some kind of crazy gatekeeper that you know we don't want you to succeed like for us like it's so exciting every time that we hear about like if we get an email like I got a deal or I got a placement on this we'll send it around the whole staff We're like that's so awesome. So we're like that's the number one thing that I want to say is that we're on your side. And then I would say, too, like being able to take criticism because, you know, it is your baby. It's, you know, it's your dream. So um, obviously, we, we're sensitive to that, but, but the screeners want to help you. We want to help you. So um, I think taking that advice and, and if you run with it, you'll be able to improve a lot. You know, it's I almost like, like taxi university, you know?
0: I like the fact that you mentioned the gatekeeper aspect because mm-hmm. there are a lot of people out there who are not taxi members. And they see us as gatekeepers, and they don't realize yeah. really what we are is enablers. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I guess people are so conditioned over yeah. so many decades of the industry's trying to keep me out yeah. that they don't understand that we're trying really hard to get them in, but yeah. they've got to have the goods.
1: Well, and that's the thing. If you saw like how hard our A and R team works, like to bring in opportunities, like really awesome opportunities for. Yeah for our members, like we want, like when, when our members have success, that's a success for us, obviously, you know? Um, so I think realizing like we're on your team, you know, we, we, wanna, we wanna help with that, but um, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, how have you grown as a result, obviously you would have grown with us or without us just Mm -hmm. by maturing as a person, you know, growing up in years, but how have you grown as a result of maybe dealing with problematic members Mm -hmm. or dealing with staff issues? How has TAXI helped you grow?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think learning from members, always being patient with people, you you know, even if someone's angry, you can always, you know, reason with them and, and, uh, calm. I, I don't like to say calm them down, but you know, it, that's basically what you're doing, you know, with, with people. I know for me, usually if someone's having trouble on the phone, uh, another, you know, member services staff, I'll just be like, give it to me (laughs) because I see it as like a challenge, you know, but, um, uh, that's true.
0: I've seen you do that many a time,
1: but, um, I think, I think definitely like being patient with people. I have the tendency to be a know-it-all and uh, impatient and stuff. So I think I've grown to, you know, maybe like shut my mouth sometimes so
0: that's interesting that you call yourself a know-it-all most know-it-alls don't know that they're know-it-alls
1: oh i know it
0: you know you're a know-it-all i know i'm a (laughs) know-it-all
1: and i discovered that too because i've been taking some classes and i was in class and i was like oh my gosh i'm like this is like bringing you can see how people were in like high school when you take a class with other people adults and I was like finding myself like, I know the answer. And then I was with like, Bria, keep your hand down, you know, because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely can be a know-it-all. So I think learning to not just automatically be like, no, or like, oh, well, I know this, you know, like listening to people. And I definitely grown in that because I was 20 when I started at Taxi. So, and I've obviously learned a ton about marketing and stuff from Michael, um, more about uh, like the music licensing world, I really didn't know much about. So I know a lot more about that. That's for sure. Um, yeah, to so be able to answer people's questions, obviously.
0: But. Yeah, I, I literally don't think that I've seen you get hit with a question that you couldn't answer. So I mean, maybe in the beginning, you know, yeah. you would come to me and say, "How? What should I do about that?" But yeah. now. Um, you know, it, it's not uncommon for staff members to come to you. How should I do it? You know? Yeah, and usually. You, and you've trained some great staff Yeah, members. and
1: usually that'll be like with, with member stuff. People come to me and ask like, oh, what do we do? Or like, what's the policy for this with members? But I I think too, that's another thing that is important. You know, anywhere you're working is it's okay for you not to know. So at the beginning, it was awesome. The person that trained me, who was Henry, who I love, um, he like was like, well, if you don't know, just ask someone else on the staff. So that was and I think that was always a, you know, a part of the, um, uh, the atmosphere is, it okay to ask questions? So for me, even now, if I get a question, I don't know, I just ask someone else, you yeah. know, on the staff that might, that has more experience in that. Cause I, I'll get questions like some intricate licensing questions i like, I don't know.
0: <laughs> there are questions. I don't know all the answers to. I yeah. think some people assume that because I own and run taxi that mm-hmm. I know every answer to every question in the world, and I don't. Yeah. Um, but
1: we have we have some staff members that have like more like in, like hands-on like experience yeah. with music licensing, so they're really good to ask too. Uh,
0: let's talk about screeners. Um, mm-hmm. We've gotten to know many of them over the yes. years. Um, how would you describe the screeners? Get, and you can say anything again behind the scenes. Okay. About screeners.
1: Well, I think it's it was. When I was sitting at front desk, I loved it because I got to greet everyone coming in and I got to learn everybody's name. So it was nice to like get to talk to people and stuff. Um, our screeners are really cool. We have one screener that loves to bring like their whole life with them.
0: <laughs> we all know who that is. yeah. <laughs> and by life, she means like, you know, a thermos, two bags of chips, a yeah. sandwich, uh, just everything you can like. Literally, like a homeless person, but brings it all into taxi yeah, first grading and
1: an instrument. So like. it's just like, like, like the whole house comes in, <laughs> you know, and just seeing like the different characters and stuff and how they interact. But they work very hard. They're when they're in their desk, they're just got their music on. And I'm also kind of like the in house, I guess. We don't have an IT person, but it's kind of me. So I would help them Well, you know, we have some out have. of
0: house people that do tech stuff. For yeah. Us. But yeah. As far as under the roof. Yeah. Yeah. But like Grays if people need help, like it. if your
1: computer's not working, you'd ask me.
0: Right. Um,
1: so, uh, so helping, I would help screeners with that or like, they're like, this isn't working, but our screeners are great. They're, they're great to talk to, great to, um, just great to know and great people
0: they're they're all musicians and they're all Mm -hmm. fans of music they they, they delight in finding something great yeah and i think going back to your gatekeeper comment so many people think in their mind's eye they see this guy you know in los angeles Mm -hmm. in the industry being a gatekeeper sitting there in a cubicle going "Eh, "Eh, eh." right i you know (laughs) i i've I've held back another one i've destroyed another (laughs) life and it's so not true no
1: no, they like, well, and that's the thing they love when they hear something good, yeah. you know, because of course you're going to enjoy if you're listening to a bunch of music and something sticks out to you, it's like, oh, this is awesome. Um, and I used to handle like the top 10 right. on the website. So I would get the, the screeners would come to me and tell me like, oh, I just heard a great song. So they'd be really excited, put, you know, the name on a slip. So, um, yeah.
0: Pretty cool. Um, any behind the scenes stories that were just odd or weird or funny. Uh, And I should have warned you about that one because I couldn't remember, you know. I do have uh, one funny story about you, but I don't know if I'll tell it. But uh, anything, just.
1: I'm trying to think. Um,
0: We're a pretty mundane group. We are, (laughs) I think
1: it depends. Sometimes we get weird calls. Yeah. So I would get, you know, when I was at front desk, you'd get, like, people calling and just, like, leaving a voicemail of them, like, singing a whole song. And then they call back and keep singing. Or, like, people that phone or, like, little kids will call. Right. And we can't talk to them because we can't talk to, you know, minors. So I'd just be like, um, yeah, go have your parent call me back. And they're like, I'm 18. I'm like, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if we have any...
0: Any road rally stories? Like... Um doing shots with the staff or
1: no i mean i have i have one but i i won't share it
0: (laughs) um how about uh, did you ever make it to the parties on the helipad on top of the
1: no we know actually i think one time we went up there and then we came right back down
0: (laughs) i've never been invited up there i think nobody wants dad to be there like i do remember about Four years ago, five years ago, that um, the room that I get is two doors away from the executive lounge on the 12th floor. And the hotel called me at like 4.30 in the morning and said- that was before me. No, I think you might have. Anyway, they said, "Um, can you come down here, please? Um, Somebody who had a key to the executive lounge let in like a hundred other members. Oh my and, I gosh. mean, there, there were bottles and cans on the floor. It looked like Animal House. I was well, so it wasn't me. I wasn't there. <laughs> I got so much trouble from the hotel for oh that. Oh my one. gosh. I was so pissed off with our members. I,
1: yeah, it definitely wasn't anybody on staff. It, it was like
0: three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. And I had to get up at 6 and, and like, you know, interview somebody um, for a, a keynote on stage. So it was really uh, not cool. So, um, you've become very active in your church, um, yeah. and uh, as somebody who you know um, is used to being a dad and has daughters. Mm-hmm. I was personally, um, I'm telling all this stuff today. Wow. but, uh, <laughs> but it, it really warmed my heart that you found that community of people. Yes. Um, it, it changed you. I watched you grow up another level because mm-hmm. of them. Um, how has, how has that group of people affected your life?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, that's a whole like story in itself. I mean, for me, um, finding my church, I go to, it's called Freedom Church in Chatsworth, California. We have a a location in Highland Park as well. So it's in the Valley and in the city. Um, and, uh, yeah, I found it on Yelp and oh, wow. yeah and I just went in and just like fell in love with the community and started we have like a big community like life groups and you know great worship team and stuff so after like a year got involved on the worship team and it, I mean just being um in a community like that with people that just like I mean lo- love Jesus and love other people so much um it changed me I mean it, it I watched really, it change it. yeah it changed me a lot and um you know, my life definitely was transformed, um, and I definitely know why. You know, I came out here. I thought it was to become a, a singer songwriter or just a songwriter, but it was to you know learn um, there, and so you know had the be- have the best friends I've ever had. Just like having an amazing community and uh, surrounded by people that like encourage you to be better. Um, yeah, is just amazing. So
0: uh, it literally. I I could see that over a six month period I watched you change and I remember one Mm -hmm. day say asking you more about the church he says just an amazing community yeah but um, honestly because I've never gone to church I mean I used to go to Catholic Masses a lot when I was a kid because my hometown had uh, there were eight Jewish families Mm -hmm. and like thousands of Catholic families so I would go to church with my Catholic friends sometimes. yeah Uh, but they didn't have worship groups. Um, tell me mm-hmm. what a worship team does and how you were involved in that stuff. So
1: we, at, at my church, it's very um, uh, high production value, I would say. So, I mean, I, we started, when I started going there, we were in a middle school. So we were set up tear down every week. So I'd have to, and I play keys. Um, so I started actually playing viola and then I played keys. Um, and uh, then I do worship lead as well too. Um, What does that
0: mean? I have, like, three friends that are worship leaders, and I honestly really don't know what it means.
1: Well, it's singing. Okay. Yeah, so, but but I also, like, if you're, like, worship leader, you'll be, you might sing, like, solo. Um, Okay. But also, but we mostly call our singers, like, worship leaders, so. Um, And, uh yeah, so it kind of consists of, we run a lot of tracks, so we use Ableton. Um, so another thing I learned too, was I learned how to use Ableton and run tracks and stuff. So I play keys, um, run tracks, and I will also sing to, or MD too, um, which is like music direct. So I'll be the only one on stage with the mic that you can't hear unless you're on the stage. So I'll be directing like, okay, let's swell here, or like singers, make sure you hit your cue because the singers never know when they're coming in. Mm-hmm so how
0: can that be don't you have rehearsals
1: oh we do (laughs) but it's always singers don't learn their lyrics too which we have a confidence monitor so like that's the thing people that like do worship are so spoiled compared to like um because i was in a cover band when i was back home like i couldn't have a confidence monitor in front of me with all the lyrics right um so everyone's so spoiled and even i'm spoiled too um but uh but yeah, so I, I kind of, um, and then I ended up, I headed up our Young Adults worship team. So I um, was in charge of that, kind of choosing the songs, um, you know, uh, choosing the team and
0: uh, How has that affected them? you musically?
1: I think it's made me stronger i think i've gotten i mean i always played in worship i i grew up in church and played you know every sunday at my church back home from like ninth grade to senior uh, until i moved um but it just made me a better player i can play by you know when i was younger i would have to transpose the keyboard so i could play in c and then i got better (laughs) so then i could play in any key and then i didn't need chords anymore So basically, like now I can just like if I can mostly play stuff like by ear um, and figure out whatever parts I need to play and then, you know, being able to coordinate and be like, okay, this person's playing a wrong note or whatever, make sure that the drums are doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know, stuff like that. So just made me a better musician and more on the ball because you're playing different songs every week.
0: Has it improved your confidence level about performing live? Um, mm.
1: No, yeah. I wouldn't because I, I played like, before I moved, I, I, there was like a year that I played like 200 shows or 100 shows in one year. So you're already there. So by the time that I got, like I was confident, which is great because when, and that's what I'd say, if, if you're nervous about performing, just do it a ton and then you won't be nervous anymore.
0: Uh, how are the people in your church going to feel about you? Um, They're upset. Uh, uh, is today the last day you're going to... Oh my God, there's people in my backyard. There are people in my backyard. <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys
1: can't see, but it's the staff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we had a little surprise cooked up oh for my Brea gosh. today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> the staff is here yay oh that's
1: so sweet all
0: right well so yeah we've been planning this for days <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh is the door locked she's yeah, gonna let, let it let me unlock the
0: door <laughs> that door is locked too Deb.
1: what's unlocked
0: i unlocked it <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! That's so cool. Anyway, yeah. Aww. So we've been planning a little goodbye party for Bria because <laughs> we all haven't seen each other no, in three months. Yeah. it's been three months. Yeah, it's been
1: three months. We like have like a couple Zoom meetings, but we don't get to yeah. see each other that often.
0: So yeah, when you, uh, I, I was trying to coordinate this like two or three weeks ago. Oh. And then when you said, uh, can I um, take time off Friday to yeah. go to the airport and mm-hmm. make Monday my last day? And I said, great, you should come out and do a taxi TV. <laughs> you just laid this in my lap so we could oh do my this gosh. little surprise. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I want to wrap up the episode. We actually, because I know that you've got to get to uh, yeah, a, a church thing to, tonight, but um, I just want to say thank you. You have Aww. done amazing work. You really have. You you have made such a difference in the company and the staff, all those guys standing in my backyard, looking at the squirrels, crows, and gophers. (laughs) They all love you. We will all miss you. Jacob, you're a very lucky young man. Um, Neil... uh, you guys raised a great kid. We were fortunate to have her, and you will always be part of the taxi family. Oh, so, thank you so much. We love you. We'll miss you. Oh, I
1: love you guys too.
0: And yes. with that, we're going to sign off and go party in the backyard with some gophers. Perfect. We will see you guys next week. Who do I have booked for next week? I have some. Uh,
1: you have. Um... <laughs>
0: She's still working. <laughs> Oh, Steve Barden's coming back. Next week, we're going to do an acoustic guitar cue uh, with Steve Barden. So I'll see you guys tomorrow for an episode of uh, Taxi Quarantini Happy Hour. And uh, thanks for joining us as we say goodbye. Yeah, thanks, guys. To my fifth daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, you guys. Bye, see ya. Bye, Neil. Oh yeah, applause.